great. What a wonderful crowd we have this morning. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for being here. Uh, Pastor Norm called me about uh, three weeks ago, and he said, are you, are you going to be here on the, the 30th? Well, I think he was talking about the 30th of August. And I said, uh, that's a Thursday. He said, uh, he said, oh, I'm sorry, I meant July. <laughs> I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we'll be getting ready to fix them to, uh, we've been very busy since the last time that we've been here, and uh, we're on our way to Michigan to do a revival, then we come back for a few weeks, and then we're on our way to another state, and we'll be back for two weeks, and then we're on our way to Tennessee, and uh, we go all over the United States ministering God's Word, and, uh, and your prayers are much desired, because there's a lot of crazies on the road but since the last time I've seen you, and of course the uh, the support of the church and your prayers, I'd like to tell you we've had, we've had six salvations since uh, we've been here last, and uh, give God a praise offering. It's nothing that I do, you know. Somebody somebody planted the seeds, and somebody watered, and and God gave the increase. And uh, I was asked by several people, "Are you going to sing this morning?" I said, "Well, I guess yeah. I'll try to put one out for y'all this morning. So I'm going to sing a song that I love to, love to sing." And uh, pray that it's a blessing. Make sure. Let me let me make sure this is down before I do anything. Won't work that way. I have mine about half. See, be all right. I've been born to 
different than a lot of people, as a lot of you already know, that uh, (laughs) I like to be down here with y'all. I'm thankful for the church, Pastor Norman, Sister Judy, for allowing me to be here this morning. You have no idea what a privilege it is to stand in any church on any Sunday morning in place of their pastor and minister to basically the nucleus of the church because this is when most of the people are here is on a Sunday morning. So it is an honor, and I I thank the pastor for allowing me to do that. And I want to bring to you a message this morning. I think that is going to be a blessing to you because God inhabits our praise. God wants us to worship Him. God desires for us to talk to Him. God wants our fullest attention. He doesn't like to be divided with the world. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to with me, please, to Genesis chapter 4. When you get there, say word. Chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 1. Will you stand, please, in reverence to God's word? The Old Testament says, and when the books were opened, they stood in the presence of God. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have given this your servant. 
one more opportunity to stand before your people and minister your word. I ask you, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, Father, that you hide this servant behind the cross, Father, that the words that he delivers will be straight from the throne of God. Father, I pray that you would open the ears of the hearts of those that are here this morning, that they can receive this word. And, Father, not only receive this word, Father, but put this word into practice. And, Father, I pray that you would anoint this service, Father, anoint the people that are here, Father. And as I always pray, if there's anything in our lives, Father, that would hinder the Holy Spirit from moving in his place, Father, I pray that you would remove it right now in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. In 1944, Hallmark Card had a slogan that said, when you care enough to send your very best. Well, I would like to change that this morning. When we care enough about God to give our very best. This text reads that why did God look with favor on Abel's sacrifice but not on Cain's. Well, we had the possibilities that we can look at the nature of the gift. And I know we have been taught that it was because it was not a blood offering. Well, we're going to look at all aspects of this this morning. And I want you to pay very close attention to what I tell you this morning. Because based on these verses in Leviticus 17 and verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. In fact, listen to me, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Word remission, no forgiveness, no cancellation of sin. It means a, a, a diminution of, of, of a serious intensity of, of an illness. That's what remission means. When we hear people, their cancer has gone into remission, remission means that they don't have it anymore. Serious disease means that, that, that it can be gone for a period of, of forever. But this is what it says here. At this time, God had not yet instituted the sacrificial system. And even at that, this seems to be more... I believe, uh, of a thanksgiving offering that Cain gave instead of a sin offering. Now, a grain offerings were specifically allowed in the book of Leviticus. But the Bible is very clear. Listen to me. The Bible is very clear that true worship is a matter of the heart, not a matter of form. It's not a ritual. It's not a ritual. Christ hated rituals. He said, you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. You might come to church because it's Sunday morning and I'm, I'm expected to be in church. That's not why you should come to church. You should want to come to church to serve God. Baby, you bring my water. He said, you glorify me. 
He says, you glorify me with your mouth, but your heart is not in it. We can go through the motions each and every time that we come to church. We can sing the song. We can do all these things. But if your heart is not here to worship God, then you're here for the wrong reason. Somebody say amen. You're here for the wrong reason. Isaiah 1, verse 11, where Isaiah is really coming down on the nation of Judah when he says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? He says, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of the lambs of goats. Listen, if you don't mean it, it's just a formal ritual that you're here. It's just an act. That's all it is. It's just an act. People say, well, it's something that I have to do. No, you don't have to do it. You don't have to be in church. You should be here because you want to be here. You should be here to, to, to worship, worship the Lord. God inhabits your worship. Whether you're here, whether you're at Walmart, whether you're at HEB, whether wherever you are, you need to be worshiping God at all times. Well, I have a habit that I do this, and, and sometimes it makes the people that, that we're dining with feel uncomfortable because when the waiter or the waitress will come up to us, I say, we're fixing to pray over our food. Do you have a prayer request? And of course, a lot of time it catches them off guard. Everything's all right. But a lot of times people, you know, say, "Yeah, I do have that." I'm, you know, I'm going to school, or my 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 son or daughter sick, or I have a grandmother. And a lot of times, they'll hold hands with us and pray. We need to be in a state of worshiping God everywhere we go. People need to look at us. People need to look at and visualize us. And we need to have the image of Christ in us. Every place we go, we need to be in an attitude of worship. And we need to give our very best. We need to care about God so much that we give our very best. Say, my very best. Say, my very best. I want to give God. I want to give God. My very best. That should be our attitude. That should be. Our attitude. In Psalms 51, verses 16 and 17, it's where when David was caught in the act of adultery, he says, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. He said, But the sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you do not despise. You see, it's a heart thing. I said it's a heart thing, and it's not a ritual. It's a heart thing. In Micah, verses, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the first, uh, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to live mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants out of us. I said, that's what God wants out of us. So we looked at the nature of the gift. Now let's look at the quality of a gift. I was searching for a story, and I came up with this one. A little boy wanted $100. 
very badly, and he prayed for several weeks, but nothing happened. So he decided to write a letter to God for the $100. When the postal authorities received the, the letter uh, to God, uh, USA, they decided to send it on to the president. And the president was so amused uh, that he instructed his secretary to send the little boy a $5 bill. The president thought this, that that would appear to be a lot of money for the little boy. The little boy was delighted when he received the $5 bill, and he sat down and write, wrote a thank you note to the president, or thank you note to God. And he said the postal authorities forwarded the letter to the president also. And it read like this, Dear God, thank you very much for sending the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you sent it through Washington, D.C., and those guys deducted $95. The quality of the gift. Abel brought the very best of his flock. Exodus 34, 26. I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you now. Exodus 34, 26 says, Bring the best of the first fruit of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. The very best. The very best of your time. The very best of your talent. The very best of your abilities, the very best of your gifts, the very best of your wealth, the very best of your possession. Exodus twenty three nineteen says, the first, somebody say first, not second. The first, he says, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9 says this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first, somebody say first. Everybody again, one more time. First, first fruit, not second. Not what's left over. Are you listening to me this morning? We wonder why God doesn't bless and we give him our second best, not our first best. Hello? But God very plainly says, I want your first fruits. I want your very best, your very best of your time, the very best of your talent, the very best that you have. I want your first fruits, not what's left over. Cain brought to him some, the Bible says, some of the fruits of the soil. Some of the fruits. Now, it's obvious that Cain did not care enough to give his very best. But the question is here, I have to ask you, is that the reason God rejected his sacrifice? Or is this just the result of some deeper problem that Cain had in his life? You see, we found the nature of the gift. We find the quality of the gift. Now let's look at the character of the giver. The character of the giver. Although the passages in Genesis doesn't really give us much help determining why God accepted one sacrifice and rejected the other. But let's, let's look carefully at, chapter, at verses 4 and 5 in chapter 1. He says, the Lord looked with favor. The Lord looked with favor on Abel. Look at the next word. What does it say? A in D and his offerings, but on Cain and his offerings, he did not look with favor. So he looked both on Cain and his offerings. He looked up on Abel and his offerings. He looked on both things. Now notice what the passage doesn't say. God did not look on favor just on Abel's offering. Okay, we understood that. He did not reject Cain's offering. He rejected Cain and his offerings. Are you following me this morning? 
It wasn't just Cain's offering that he rejected. It was Cain and his offering. So it appears, listen, on the surface that the difference in the way God reacted to the two offerings is not based on much on the offerings themselves as to who brought the offerings. Hello? Who brought the offerings? There are three passages in the New Testament that I want to bring to you this morning that brings light on this subject. First of all, let's look in Jude, verse 11. It says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam, and profited and perished in the rebellion of Korah. What is the way of Cain? Well, John gives us a, a, an insight to this in 1 John 3.12. It says, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, who was of the wicked one, or who was part of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brother's works were righteous. You see, it's a heart problem. I said it's a heart problem. A lot of times we hear on Facebook or on the news, when we hear a shooting here or a shooting there, the first thing they want to do is to ban all weapons. The weapons are not what kills. The people that are holding the weapon is what kills. You see, it's not a gun problem. It's a heart problem. And just as Cain, it wasn't anything else. But he went there with form. It wasn't anything else but a form. He did not go there with, with a pleasing heart or worshipful heart to God. We can look over in Hebrews 11. We find that we can answer this question as we go to Hebrews, verse 11, 4. By faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, yet spoke the writer of Hebrew, listen to me, the writer of Hebrew makes it very clear that the basis of what which God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain was this. Abel's sacrifice was offered in faith. Abel's sacrifice was offered in faith. The kind of faith, listen, that resulted in Abel's being inducted into the faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11. That's the kind of faith that he had. Now, we look at, uh, over at a lot of passages this morning, but let, I want you to understand and give you a shed light on what's happening in chapter 4. And based on what we have learned, here's the conclusion of what I believe has happened in verse 4. Abel was a righteous man, recognized that all that he had came from God. Everything that he had came from God. In 2009, my deceased wife Alice and I were in were ministering in Tennessee. And our house sitter at the time, this was early Saturday morning. It was 2 o'clock at Tennessee time. And Elaine had just returned to the house. And he called me. He says, uh, he says Brother Raider, says, We've been ro- or you've been robbed. Your house was broken into. And they took televisions and computers and money and jewelry and anything that wasn't nailed down. They took. Come to find out it was, it was four, four juveniles and one adult. And they were right there in the neighborhood. And so after we got off to the phone with the sheriff, 
He said, I need you to come down here to, and go through your house and see what all is missing. You remember that, Judy. All that's missing. I said, okay, so we packed up our, our belongings, and I had to close the revival, uh, postpone the revival there. And we drove all, you know, started driving Saturday morning. We was on the other side of Knoxville, down going toward Chattanooga. And the sheriff called us and says, uh, Mr. Raiders, I guess, he said, well, we, we want you to know that we caught the thief. And but we need you to come down and identify all your stuff. Now, I relate this, this story to David when he came back and everything that he had had been stolen, him and his men. And there was a slave that they caught. Well, the sheriff found a young man that was walking the road, so he started questioning him and found out what he was part of uh, of the people that, that broke into the house. And when we were traveling back, I told Alice, I said, I said, well, all that we had was given to us by God. If he wants us to have it again, we'll have it again. If not, we won't. Well, we got everything back, everything that, that was stolen from us was returned. Well, what about the money? Well, the money, the next three months... Every place he went, God tripled the offering and the sales of the of the table, so we got the money back too. You see, but you can't you can't out you can't out worship God. You can't out give God. You can't outdo God. God has your best interests in heart. All He wants you is your attention. All God wants from you is your attention. He wants your very best. Say, I want to give God. Say, everybody, I want to give God my very best, and that's what we want. Amen. That's what we want. Cain, listen, on the other hand, was an evil man. So in order to try somehow to appease God, he brought an offering. He just brought an offering. But it was an offering that consisted of less than his very best. It says that in, 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 in chapter 1. He brought an offering. Just an offering. There's something that he can, you know, to satisfy God. I'm, like, I'm going to go through the ritual. I'm going to bring, it, bring in an offering. And so God accepted Abel and, and his sacrifice given in faith, and he rejected Cain and his sacrifice given without faith. Given without faith. Hebrews 11.6, it says this. Listen to what I'm saying. Hebrews 11.6 says these words. And I want you to take these words to heart. Without faith. Hello? Without faith, it is impossible. I can just stop there. It is impossible to please God. If you can't live by faith and trust God, then what you're doing, if you say, I'm a child of God, I give everything that I have to God, I put it all in His hands. And if you can't do that, something's wrong with you. I said, something is wrong with you. God wants your very best, even your faith. He wants your very best. That's what he wants. Hallelujah. So how do I make sure that I care enough to give God my very best? Listen to me. We need to focus on our relationship with God and not on our religion. I said we need to focus on our relationship with God, not on our denomination. We need to focus on our relationship with God, not just our ritualism. 
We need to focus on our relationship with God and what we mean and giving God our very best. That's what God wants. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I believe that Abel offering was an act of pure, devout worship, unrestrained worship. And that was the base of what he knew about God. I'm asking you this morning, what do you know about God? What do you know about God? Somehow we're not exactly sure how God revealed himself to Abel. And as Abel developed his relationship with God, he wanted to respond to God's greatness by giving God his very best. On the other hand, Cain's offering seems a result of more of a desire to participate in some religious ritual that would somehow appease God. But wait, listen. Before we condemn Cain, maybe we ought to take a look at our own lives. Hello? I said before we condemn Cain, we need to look at our own lives. Hallelujah. There are some here this morning. Listen to what I'm saying. There are some here this morning that just out of a religious duty, you are here. I hope you're not. And you think, if I just come here once a week, sing a few songs, stay awake during my sermon, if you can do that, I yell too loud, I don't think you can. (laughs) Stay awake during the sermon and put some money in the offering plate. Hey, I have done my religious duty for the week, and this will appease God. If you're one of those people, listen to me, then I really feel sorry for you because you will never, ever give God your very best. Ever. If you're here out of religious duty, you will never give God your very best because it's an obligation to you. It's not a worship thing with you. It's an obligation to you. But see, but God wants us to have so much more. In Exodus thirty four fourteen, he says, For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Romans five eleven says this, And not only that, but we are also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We are now reconciled with God, and only through Jesus Christ can we be done. Can that, can that not happen? Only through Jesus Christ. And this morning here, if you do not know Jesus Christ, the only way you can be reconciled with God is through his blood and his acceptance. Amen? Amen. Out of love and appreciation. Listen, when we take advantage of that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, when we have this deep desire in our hearts to get to know more about God and to be intimately worshiping God each day, that, listen, no one, no one is going to have to coerce you to give God your very best. No one. You'll want to do that. You'll want to do that. Listen, I have, I have gone through a stroke. I have gone through cancer surgery. I have gone through a heart attack. I have gone through three times wounded in Vietnam. I have gone through five back surgeries. I have gone through losing a spouse. I have gone through a lot. But let me tell you something. I know from where God has brought me. I cannot do enough for God. Not because I have to, because of all that He has done for me. I want to do that. I guarantee you there's not a person within the sound of my voice. God has not done something great in your life. Just for that, just for saving our miserable souls, we should want to praise God. 
just for that. But we find other gods. We find other things to do except, look at these empty chairs. We find other things to do except being in the house of God to worship Him. To worship Him. It's a relationship, not religion. It's, it's a focus on our faith, not form. Abel's offering was acknowledged of his dependence on God. And isn't that the characteristic of faith? Our dependence on God, not what we can do, but what God can do through us? Is that not what faith is? Hallelujah. Listen to me. Faith concedes that I am incapable of coming into the relationship of God based on what I do. It's not by works. It's by faith. It's by faith that I am accepted in Jesus Christ. Nothing I can do. I can't give. I can't be good enough. I can't give enough. I can't come to church enough. Listen to me. Sitting in one of these chairs in this church on Sunday morning no more makes you a child of God than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Period. You can come to Georgia every time that door opens. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still lost and you're still going to hell. Hello? That's kind of strong, Brother Raiders. I hope so. Because if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's exactly where you're going. You're going to hell. Period. Let me get back on the sermon. Cain, on the other hand, is a lot like most of us. It would be a whole, listen, it would be a whole lot easier if God would just give us a list of things to do and not to do. Preferably a very short list. That, would, that wouldn't keep, because if it was a short list, it wouldn't keep us from living out the lives that we want to live in anyway. That's what we want God to do anyway. That's what we want God to do. This is yes. This is no. This is I don't care. But we, yeah, we, would, we would love, you would love God, God, just give me a short list, right? Things I need to do, things I need to don't do. That way I can do, do all these things and get them on you, scratch them off, and then I can live my life like I want to live it. That's what we want. Hello, that's what we want. That's what every one of us want. We don't want to follow the edicts and the commandments of God. We want to live our life the way we want to live our life and expect God to bless us. That would never happen. And we wonder why God doesn't pour out his blessings upon our lives. Look at your life. Go look in the mirror. Hello? I said go look in the mirror. If we want God's blessings, then we're going to have to live after God's law. We're going to live after his word. After his word. Listen. And then we would could be able to do what we want to do. We could just kind of skate by and doing the very minimum in order to just pass the test. Do we have any teachers in here? Anybody have teachers? I, was, I used to be a teacher. I retired. You teach the test, right? Basically. That's to make sure your students pass the test. And then they jump down our throats because they don't know anything because we're always busy trying to teach the test. This is yes. This is no. This is I don't care what you know. It's true. 
That's what we want God to do. Just, you know, hey, let me, you know, let me get enough just to escape by just, just enough to pass it there. Just enough that I can get into heaven. But that's not what he wants out of us. He wants out of us true worship. He wants out of us faith. He wants out of us to do the things that he wants our lives to be an example. He wants us to be like the refiner's pot. He wants us to be there that when we look into the, to the, to the silver, we can see the reflection that's what God, we need to see. People need to look at us and see Christ's reflection on us. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. But God wants something much better than us. It's who you are and the way you live that counts to God. The kind of people of which God is looking at those who are simply and honestly themselves before him and before worship. Listen, John 4, 23 and 24 says, But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father, listen, is looking for those who will worship him in this way. For God is spirit, and for those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. First Samuel says this in sixteen seven says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at this appearance. Are at the height of his statue, because I refuse him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For the Lord looks at, at the outward, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. I found out a, lot, a long time ago, people said, well, you're, 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 you're in a Baptist church and you have blue jeans on and boots and you look like a cowboy, not a, not an evangelist. God looks on my heart and not on my appearance. It's not a show thing. Listen to me. It's not a show thing. I know from where God has brought me and what I'm going to do. I'm about to close. Just bear with me. I want you to get this. The last one. It's a relationship not religion. It's focused on faith, not form. It's focused on God's provisions, not on my possessions. It's focused on God's provisions, not my provisions. I think that Abel recognized his bountiful flocks were from the hand of God. In fact, he didn't even, the flocks didn't even belong to him. It belonged to God. So when he gave his offering, it was easy for him to give his very best because he was just giving what already belonged to God. That's what he was given. Psalms 24, one, it says, because listen to me, everything on this earth belongs to God. Everything, even you. He says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those, those, say I'm those, and those who dwell therein. What you have already belongs to God. Just give him what he asked. Hallelujah. But I think Cain was pretty proud of what his crops. And since he viewed them as his crops, Cain had a hard time letting go of what was his. He wanted to keep his very best for himself, and he gave God an offering. An offering. I don't think that any of us here today would have a hard time with the idea, listen to me, that God has had his hand in providing and developing your talent or your abilities or your gifts or your wealth or your possessions. But there's a far cry, listen, that's a far cry from believing that all those things actually belong to God 
that we are just stewards and that everything that we have in our lives is available to, for God to use however he wishes. We just don't want to let go. We just don't want to let go. And I want to close with this little story. I heard a pastor who, tre- who tested one of his rich members. He asked the man, he said, John, he said, if you have 100 pigs, would you give 25 to God? John answers, well, sure, pastor, I'd, I'll give 25 to God, no problem. The preacher asked, John, if you had 20 pigs, would you give five of them to God? John answers, well, sure, pastor, you know, if I had 20 pigs, I'd give five of them to God. The preacher asked, John, if you have two pigs, would you give one of them to God? He said, now, preacher, cut that out. You said, no, you know I only have two pigs. Hello? Let that sink in a minute. Our very best. Do we do that? Or do we keep the best for ourselves? Do we keep the best of our time? Do we keep the best of our talents? Do we keep the best of our ability? Do we keep the best of our gifts, our wealth, our possessions? Do we keep the best and give God what remains? Do we do that? I hope not. I hope you give God your very best. I do. Can you come play something for us? Can you? There's a lot of you I don't know. I know your face. But I don't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. The many years that I have been ministering, I remember one time that I was ministering in South Sand. We, were started, we had started a revival that Sunday morning. And the lady who was a minister of music, and every time I had been there, she had done an outstanding job. And at the end of the service, her and her husband and two little babies we're walking out the door, and he says, okay, we'll see you this evening. They never made it back. All four of them died in a car accident. So you don't have, you don't have any assurance that you're even going to make it home. I said, you don't have the assurance that any of you are even going to make it back to your house. You don't. When I had my stroke, I was sitting in the second pew at a church. Sitting there getting ready to sing. Next thing I knew, I woke up in an ambulance, and they was putting a number 18 needle in my arm. I didn't go to church expecting you know, to have a stroke and wind up in the hospital for the next 10 days. I had every means to be worshiping God that that morning in song. You don't know. And if you're not, listen to me, if you're not ready to go and meet Christ Jesus, if you are not ready to meet God, 
Listen, God knows if you play church or not. I say, God, no. For 41 years, I was the biggest hypocrite that there was. And I was in the military. I said that I was a Christian. I said, I'm I'm a a Christian. That's a bad word. Too many people say, right now, I am a child of God. I know that I know. That if I pass from this place and go, I'm going, I meant I, I die here and I wake up in glory. For 41 years, I had the stamp of a Christian on my forehead. I said I was a Christian every place. I said, I am a Christian. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian. But your walk needs to speak louder than your talk. And if it's not, shame on you. Shame on you. If you're here this morning, I'll let us all stand, please. And if you place place something softly. And I won't keep you much longer. Hey, we're doing good. We have two minutes to twelve. At two minutes. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus, if you're not one hundred percent sure. That if you leave here and something happens to you that you will not make it to glory, then you need to be talking to one of these this, this, to me or to one of these deacons. I can't get you to heaven. Only person that can get you to heaven is Christ Jesus and through His blood. That's it. Through His blood. You see, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And if you're not ready to go, then you need to be at the altar. I said, you need to be at the altar. If you're not, I didn't say 99%. I said 100%. If you're not 100% ready, you need to be at the altar. I've been a member of this church ever since it started. Or the past five years, or the past three years. If I go up there, I'd look like a fool. I'd rather look like a fool and go to heaven then be a fool and go to hell. Hello? Anybody? Anyone? By the uplifted hand, said Brother Raiders, I want to give God my very best. Can I see your hand? By the uplifted hand, I want to give God my very best. Starting today, I want to give God my very best. Is that you? Can you say amen? Amen. So we bow our heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you saw these hands. Father, I pray and I ask in the name of your son, Jesus, Father, that you would anoint each person that's here, Father, and let them give the very best that they have. The best of their time, the best of their talents, the best of their abilities, the best of everything that you've given, their first fruits. Let them give their very best. And, Father, I pray that you would anoint each family that's here tonight, this morning. That you would meet their every need according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.